0: All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. Oh, my God, I smell shenanigans. I have no idea what's going on, but I am excited.
1: Yeah, baby,
0: yeah. You ever dance with the devil in the pants? Inconceivable. Kawabunga! I thought this was a party. It's two no skills in a podcast. With Eric and Jeff. Next level.
1: And welcome to Two Nerdskis in a Podcast, the one show where two nerdskis come together and talk about everything pop culture and entertainment. As of course, as always, I'm one of your nerdskis. This is Eric.
0: And this is the other nerdski, Jeff. Welcome, welcome, welcome. We have...
1: Yes, we have a treat today, indeed. Um, We are finally starting to take a look at uh, a a long... I mean, we've definitely taken a look at some gems, but this is finally the first from a very well known director and this is our first foray into spielberg's work um of course spielberg as everyone knows is this is legendary filmmaker responsible for much of pop culture indeed so i mean et indiana jones um uh
0: did he did he do uh
1: close encounters of the third kind if i'm not mistaken was that his, also his movie too
0: i don't know never actually heard of the guy <laughs>
1: Yes, you do. After all, of course, he is also, of course, Jurassic Park as well. But this is the man that is responsible for uh, much of our childhoods, I guess, if you will. And of course, um, a very, a very uh, respectable filmmaker and is right, of course. But um, I mean, obviously, of course, I, I like Spielberg. I mean, I'm not as big of a fan as Jeff is. So that's why I will turn it over to Jeff to explain why Spielberg for him is his all time favorite filmmaker.
0: So, uh, Spielberg is kind of the whole reason why I got into film at all. I saw, I mean, I won't get into too much detail because I want to save it for when we eventually talk about Jurassic Park, but it was the first Jurassic Park that turned my attention and love of film into, uh, kind of into reality. I... So it kind of, yeah, it started with Jurassic Park, Lost World and Jaws. That was the trifecta that got me interested in the prospect of filmmaking. It, um, you know, it was really the first time that I got interested in watching behind the scenes documentaries and this Spielberg guy always kept showing up and the way he would always describe his craft really, uh, really struck a chord with me. And it just kind of took off from there. And eventually, I discovered the topic we're discussing this evening. And that is his, uh, not his complete debut. Uh, I know he, he had some television work prior. But in 1971, for the ABC Movie of the Week lineup, Steven Spielberg brought us Duel, which actually later this year, We'll be celebrating its 50th anniversary. Is it really? I, oh, I, guess, yeah.
1: I didn't realize that. Oh, that's that's actually pretty cool. Um, I, I, Yeah, I guess 1971, 2021, that makes sense. But I, I mean, I, I I didn't realize it had been uh, 50 years at this point. Yeah, um, I,
0: actually, I actually didn't. Uh, I didn't realize that until uh, looking at the release date of this. And so really, it's going to be the 50th anniversary when we got Spielberg. So I think uh, later this year, because at the time we're recording this, it's early May. So I hope later this year, uh, this movie will be far more celebrated because I always felt Duel has always kind of fallen under the radar. Uh, You know, whenever whenever you discuss Spielberg, there's so many good films under his belt. Jurassic Park, Jaws, uh, Saving Private Ryan, E.T., Schindler's List countless movies it you know fucking close encounters in like Indiana the indiana jones trilogy and it's fucking steven spielberg but duel always seemed to be the one that fell in between the cracks and i hope that us talking about it will entice you to to check this movie out because this movie is a fucking masterpiece
1: well, I mean, it's it's definitely one of those obscure movies from uh, well-known filmmakers. I mean, like, I mean, there have been plenty of movies that have been made by uh, well-known filmmakers today that you know don't necessarily get the attention that they get. I mean, for example, there's a movie called "The Keep" that's directed by Michael Mann, um, and I think he has disowned that movie. But from what I've seen, it actually seems re- really cool. It's about Nazis fighting off a, a fighting off the um, I guess Jewish folklore monsters or whatnot. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's an interesting premise and this is the same guy who would later direct one of the greatest crime movies of all time uh, heat. So, well,
0: well, I'm, well, I'm sure, uh, I'm sure he didn't, doesn't disown that movie as much as David Fincher disowns alien three.
1: I, alien three <laughs> is alien three for what it is, but
0: um, so yeah, I, so yeah, fuck Jeff, uh,
1: <laughs> fuck alien. What 3. was that?
0: You, you, you don't like that movie? Dude, the opening scene, Takes a giant shit on one of the greatest action movies ever made. Blame 20th Century Fox, then whatever. Um,
1: so yeah, so Duel was. I mean, I had heard of Duel. Um, I think you had maybe maybe mentioned it to me, maybe several times in the past. Never really got into it, and then you decided, like, hey, why don't we uh, talk about it for the show? So I was like, okay. So then I mean, it. so that means I have to watch it, and so um, I mean. Who would have thought that the idea of uh, a man being chased by uh, a disgruntled uh, trucker on uh, the California uh, backroads would be an enticing thriller um, and surprisingly it was it's I wouldn't say it's a masterpiece, but it's definitely a forgotten gem that um that definitely deserves more attention because um so I mean first of all, uh, I like that there's not really there's not really a lot of dialogue in this movie. The scenery and the actions really speak for the movie itself in terms of dialogue. But, um, essentially the plot is, is you have a Dennis Weaver playing David Mann, who's going on a business trip and he's like, I'm taking the back roads of California to get to my, uh, destination. And so along the way, he passes this trucker. Um, and, uh, (laughs) And I guess the trucker's like, you piece of shit. And so uh, the entire movie, the trucker does everything he can to uh, antagonize David. And um, what I here's what I like, too. You never see the trucker. You only see maybe his arms, his hands, and his boots and pants. And that's about it. Because um, I really... I mean, yes, the driver is an antagonist, but the real the real antagonist is his truck because that is a very just the way the the truck looks is very antagonizing and then you have of course just david's poor car or i forget what kind of model it is but it's just it's just a nice red um <laughs> it's a nice red a car that uh needs its radiator hose um fixed but um but yeah it's this is a very interesting thriller and um, I'm glad that I, I am glad that Jeff suggested we check this out, but um, so yeah, um, I do think that this is a pretty, a pretty solid movie overall.
0: So I think what has actually made me declare it a, a masterpiece is just all the little scenarios that came together to make this movie as good as it was. Uh, So the, uh, so initially, this is based off a short story by Richard Matheson, uh, who uh, who also wrote the screenplay. He basically wrote uh, wrote the short story for Playboy magazine, and Spielberg found it because he only reads the articles. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and essentially, uh, when he read it, he it immediately caught his eye because he thought, this sounds like a Hitchcock movie. And so he immediately got in contact because at the time he was looking to... Uh, to start directing a a film because at that time he uh, only had a few short films under his belt. Uh, he uh, directed a couple episodes of uh, Rod Serling's Night Gallery, but uh, but this movie, uh, but this premise really caught his attention, and he was given twelve days by, or actually no, I'm sorry, ten days by ABC to make this movie. And Wait, so you're telling me this movie was made in ten days? A it, uh, it was completed in 12 so the uh, okay. so so the network got a little pissed off at him for that but uh, but initially uh, when he was talking with the director of photography he wanted uh, he wanted Spielberg to just film this on on some back lots and uh, and basically have the majority of the chases done on rear projection and Spielberg immediately shot that down because he said it's gonna look like a cheap movie. Like, uh, it's not going to sell the, sell the, sell the situation whatsoever. And, and so the, uh, so the DP just kept telling him, dude, there's no way that you can film a movie like this on this grand of a scale in this, in the short amount of time. And Spielberg basically took that as a challenge. So in the hotel room that, uh, that the network provided for him while they were shooting the movie, in order to help maintain continuity, Spielberg essentially drew up uh, an architectural blueprint of the of all the events of the movie that essentially circled around the walls of his of his hotel room, and basically just mapped out everything. Like, okay, this is where uh, this is where David Mann first uh, you know goes around the the truck driver. This is where the diner happens. This is where the telephone booth scene happens, and. Uh, and this helped them stay on schedule. This helped him, uh, like I said, uh, just a second ago, it helped him maintain continuity. And one of the techniques that, uh, that really helped them, uh, keep on schedule was, uh, was essentially in order to get various different shots, especially, especially the wide shots, what they would do is they would, they would just drive down a stretch of road for probably about a mile. And all they would do is, turn around and film from the opposite direction and that helped them double the amount of footage right then and there also using multiple camera angles so basically just driving up and down the road they were able to craft one of the most intense chase scenes i've ever seen in my life and it's the fact that the whole movie is essentially a chase scene and what i really love about it is that it starts off as petty road rage essentially and it just continues to accelerate more and more and more as the movie progresses. And it seems like, uh, you know, and, and like uh, Eric said earlier, you don't see the truck driver and you don't know. And, and I think that's what makes this truck, not even the truck driver, but the truck itself, such a terrifying antagonist because that truck itself tells the story uh, Spielberg himself said that all the various license plate on the truck are supposed to represent all the other people he's killed on the road. Mm. And so it, uh and so that alone create, makes you kind of makes the imagination go wild. Like, what is the story behind this truck driver? Like, what's his motive? And it's not only the fact that he's trying to uh, run this guy off the road. It's the fact that he is toying with him psychologically there's that uh, there's that scene where uh, where Dennis Weaver is uh, is, uh, is halted down by uh, by the school bus driver, and and as soon as he uh, gets caught up on uh, on the bus, and the truck driver is on the other side of the tunnel, starts driving towards him. That freaks him out, and he's saying, "That guy's trying to kill me. I have to go." And as soon as he as soon as he gets the hell out of there, the truck driver. Then actually helps out the school bus, making him look like a lunatic. Yeah. And what I uh, another scene that really stands out to me is shortly after shortly after that, he's uh uh because that's uh after rewatching this movie because it's been a few years, I always kept wondering like, okay, if he's uh if he's always stopping when Dennis Weaver stops, why doesn't he just pull over? And just run up to him and pull his ass out of the car and say, what the fuck is your problem? However, they address that because the moment he he attempts to do just that, he just start, uh, Dennis Weaver gets out of the car, starts walking towards him. And the truck driver just drives forward about 30 feet or so. And the uh, and then the moment and then, <clears throat> excuse me, in that instance, uh, he's trying to wave down, uh, wave down a couple of drivers and just say, can you please call the police? And in that, in that moment, uh, before he, he, he can even finish the truck driver begins to back up almost implying like, Oh my God, is he going to hit this random, uh, old couple on, on the road as well. And he doesn't do that. And it's also, and Dennis Weaver starts to run off on the side of the road in, the and so you might think, Oh my God, is he going to chase him, uh, you know, off the road and into the desert? Doesn't even, doesn't even do that. And he starts backing up dangerously close to his, uh, to his car. And you also begin to think, is he going to crush his car with him not in it? And the truck just is inches away from even tapping it. And just sits there and just drives off. It's the way he keeps taunting him. And it and Dennis Weaver just starts to break because the way he's introduced, he is just this everyday family man working, uh, working his job, just trying Mm -hmm. to get through the day, get home. And it just really does a good job at creating an everyman scenario where it's uh, if it creates kind of a helpless situation in a way where. You are, uh, you know, because this is 1971, so obviously cell phones are not part of the equation, and it, uh, and so every, every chance he gets to uh, get any form of help, everyone thinks he's, everyone thinks he's batshit crazy, and there's even one little moment where he's, uh, uh, where he's being pursued by, by the driver, and he uh, he looks out in the corner of his eye and thinks, "Oh my god, is that is that a police officer? Oh, thank God!" And then it turns out it's uh it, it's like an exterminator. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. just like damn I saw it. That. Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> and uh and so and again, it just continues to build on itself. And there's not there's not a moment in this movie that signifies TV movie this feels as cinematic as it gets the way, uh, the way the, the shot structure, the, the editing, the sound design, the sound, the sound design is incredible. By the way, there is everything about this movie just screams theatrical. And actually, because this movie was such a hit during its initial broadcast, it did get a, it did get a theatrical release in Europe. But I
1: saw, yeah, I see that, um, so it was original obviously it was released as a TV movie and then it got an international release later and I I, I guess because the version I watched I guess is the international version because so I guess the original TV version ran for only 74 minutes and then the right. actual theatrical versions 90 minutes
0: yeah so uh so shortly after uh, the deal was made for it to have an uh, an international theatrical release uh, Spielberg went back and added the out uh, of the the school bus scene that I mentioned, it uh, they added the uh, the the train scene, which is actually probably my favorite moment in the movie. Uh Or actually, no, it's the diner scene. We'll get to the diner scene. That's
1: my favorite scene too. That,
0: that scene is fucking brilliant. Like, uh, yeah. So, ah, yeah, fuck it. We'll, we'll get we'll get to the. Let's talk about the diner scene. Well,
1: before you before you go there, I I would say like I like going back to the driver himself. It's not entirely. When you mentioned the license plates, I actually wasn't thinking those were his past victims. I'm like, because there's a, I've seen plenty of truck uh, truck drivers who have license plates from different states. Probably just because you know they're truck drivers, they go through different, they dif- they go through different states all the time. So like, of course they have different license plates. Of course. So it, that never crossed my mind at all. Because so I drive, so I live in Los Angeles at the moment, and my family lives up north in Sacramento. So. I drive up and down the five quite a bit. So I'm always used to seeing like a lot of truck drivers with different license plates, not, and sometimes multiple license plates too. So it's not really, so it's not an uncommon thing. So when, now that Jeff points out, I'm like, huh? So, so he may not be just a disgruntled truck driver after all, but um, I mean, that's what I got out of it. Um,
0: but yeah, so because it's uh, it's one of those things that you don't really mention, but once you once you hear that, because this uh, uh, because that idea came from Spielberg himself, uh, mm. but w- once you hear that little detail, I feel it's a detail that changes the entire context of the situation and actually makes it more terrifying.
1: Actually, I mean, what's what's also terrifying, obviously, is. The truck itself. So it's a built 281 Tinker truck. And um obviously, I mean, like you could... I don't think it would be as menacing if it didn't have that brown, that dark brown-like color to it because it just gives that look of like it's aged, it's old, and it's just very... It's almost menacing. And also just the way the cinematography portrays it. But then you also have like David Mann's innocent Plymouth Valiant um, car that's just a red, a nice bright red car that probably looks brand new. Let's be honest. But, um, it it does, it looks innocent and it looks like a nice car. And then when you just compare it to the truck, it's just, uh, yeah, that car is going to get fucked over at some point. Um, uh, yeah. So the diner scene itself. So obviously, so what leads up to it is, uh, he's being toyed on the road. Um, and, uh, he's, he's, uh, the the truck just tailgates him at a high speed. And so he just swerves off the road and he hits like a fence and on the side of his car. So he's like really disoriented. He's just like, "What?" and everyone's like, Hey, sir, are you okay? And David's like, yeah, I'm I'm good. I'm good. And so he goes into the diner. He's like, can I use the restroom please? And he's like, yeah, sure. Sure. And so he uses the restroom. And then you hear this inner monologue in his head. And um, this isn't the only time you hear it. You hear it like throughout the movie as well. So he's just having like these thoughts of like, why is this happening to me? Why is this guy doing this? And so, um, he said. So he goes to sit at a booth. Well, no, he's just he's he's on his way out, and then he sees the truck is parked outside, and so he's like wondering if the trucker is in the diner itself. And so he looks around and he sees all the truckers wearing blue jeans and cowboy boots, and he's like, one of them's he's here. He's not sure what he is. To, if it's one of them, to, he's not sure which one it is. And so he's just, he get, you can see the paranoia in his face, especially, especially in his inner monologue. And he's jolted out of it at one point, just when this, when the waitress is like, what can I get you for you, honey? He's like, uh, let me get a cheese sandwich. Um, and some rye, with rye bread, R Y E rye bread and uh, glass of water, please. And um, can I get some aspirin? And she's like, Oh, right. headache, Got it. Yeah, I'll get you one. And so, so while he's eating, he's just getting all these different thoughts of like how to approach these guys. Like, Hey, sir, why don't we, uh, he's like, he's thinking, he's actually thinking kind of positive about it. He's kind of just like, Hey, um, why don't we just talk this over and work these things out like gentlemen. And, and then as it, as he continues about, it, he just, he gets increasingly a little bit more violent in his head to this one point where he stands up and he, t- he sees this guy in a booth adjacent to him or no, rather across from him. And he's like, why don't you just knock it off? And the guy's like, sorry, and he just gets increasingly more aggressive and antagonistic towards the this guy and he just and so they have a little scuffle and uh, that driver leaves and he's off in his own little truck. And then when he and then when he looks outside, the truck finally leaves and he realizes that guy never walked out of the truck on purpose just to fuck with them even more. And you, and this is when you realize the brilliance the brilliancy behind Spielberg and this scene. Just to see, sometimes even in sometimes the less the action moments. I mean, action's great and the chases are great, but sometimes it's just those scenes where it looks like it's calm, but the paranoia is just building up. And those are the scenes that work better in thrillers like this. Not yeah. to, that's not to say the uh, that's not to say the rest of the movie isn't. It's a great, it's great.
0: It's just here is where it really, really shows the paranoia. Well, one well, and one thing I really wanted to mention was uh uh was the because uh, one of the biggest trademarks of Spielberg are his uh uh are his, is his utilization of long takes and yeah there were quite a few in, long takes and this is and that diner scene is where I think it's perfectly implemented and kind of kind of foreshadows how this is really able to showcase his, uh, his talent behind the camera because it, the way, uh, the way the shot is first set up, he is, uh, he's right at the front door of the restaurant and it follows him into the bathroom and he's just wiping down his face. And then he goes back, uh, back out through the restroom, uh, out uh, towards the hallway, uh, essentially back towards where he starts. But when he looks up, when he looks out the window, that's where the truck is where it wasn't initially. And so the fact that all done in one take, I think it, it shows a, because uh, uh, obviously not in the case of this and jaws uh, part of why Spielberg is notorious for shooting ahead of schedule is because he's able to implement so many different setups into one shot. And what I also wanted to, uh, to mention is uh uh, kind of going off of what uh, what you were saying after his uh, scuffle with that uh, with the guy that he thinks is the that he thinks is the guy trying to trying to kill him. What I love is uh, is that little gag where it uh, where it always keeps you guessing. The way um, uh, the way that he keeps looking at the at the drivers, they keep glancing glancing over at him, and you never know if uh, you you kind of. It really puts you in his shoes. You feel just as on edge and paranoid as him. And at the point where, uh, you know, like where the pissed off driver, you know, leaves the diner and it looks like he's about to step back into the truck. And, and then it just so happens, Oh, his truck is parked right beside the killer. Truck. Yeah. I remember that. Part, I, yeah. So it's, it's little, little moments like that, that always, uh, it always draws out the suspense where you think you're you think you're about to get your answer and it just it the movie is constantly just throwing you another curveball because uh uh because one thing Spielberg mentioned uh cause there's a really interesting documentary on on this movie uh one thing that he mentioned is that um uh, is that it doesn't matter that ABC is only giving you 73 minutes. You need to draw or you need to draw out the suspense as much as possible for the audience. Like that was a piece of advice that Spielberg learned from Hitchcock. And if, uh, if you told me that if you just showed me that scene in isolation and told me it was directed by Alfred Hitchcock, I probably would have believed you because it's perfectly crafted suspense the way uh, it's, it's perfect editing the inner monologues, which, uh, which you would think would not normally work and would probably take you out of the movie a bit. It actually, it, it helps. It helps a lot. And everything. Yeah. Everything about that scene is perfectly constructed. And I think it's definitely the standout moment of the movie.
1: Yeah. Cause I mean, and again, sometimes it's, it's this movie as Jeff put it is one giant chase, but the moment where you really see the paranoia build up is when he's not on the road. It's when is when you see the truck driver is just toying with him the entire time by not even being in the diner. And that's great filmmaking. Especially what I like is that after he leaves, I mean, after the truck driver pulls off, he's just like he bursts out of there and just tries to run after him to try and see this guy, but he the truck's just too far away. He's just, damn it! And you see that. This guy is just fucking with him again. Just the way, just the way the guy, just the way the Trevor, the the driver, the way the driver just messes with him. This entire movie, I mean, it does leave you on edge. But I would also say it definitely it leaves you wondering why. Like, that's the most important question for me: is why the truck driver could have just at any point like you know, the gas station sequence at the, at the beginning where like the guy where like he gets gas and the gas attendant is like, you need a new radiator hose. And he's like, I'll fix it later. And he calls his wife. Why, the, how come the truck driver then was just like, why didn't he just get out of the truck? And was like, Hey asshole, I have some issues with you right here. And I'm like, that could have ease that realistic. realistically speaking, that's actually what would happen in real life. But instead this driver decides he's going to make his drive on the road just as miserable as possible. And it's, it goes from a normal tr- uh, drive in the country to one of the worst days in David Mann's life. And, uh, it's just, huh. Yeah. There's still a lot to talk about this, but
0: what are you going to say? Uh, so I actually wanted to, to mention, uh, mention another scene where, uh, it's, uh, uh, cause at, at one point, uh, uh, cause you, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, so there's a moment where, uh, where David Mann does, uh, pulls a really smart maneuver. So he essentially, uh, he, he gets enough distance away from the truck. Then he pulls off to the side and kind of backs off into a corner and lets, unless and the truck driver, uh, get ahead of him. So then after that, he, uh, he just decides to rest his eyes for a while and just get as much distance as possible. And, and i'm thinking oh that that's brilliant and then uh after some time passes you hear uh you hear the uh you hear the sound <laughs> of the horn. yep you, you hear the sound of a horn and at f- and the way the sound design is done it it uh, doesn't sound like a train horn it sounds like the horn of a truck so initial so that initial jolt it uh, puts you back on edge like oh shit is like is he back and it uh it kind of jolts you the same way uh, David Mann would in that situation. And that's, again, why I think this movie does such a good job at putting you in his shoes. And uh, because it's honestly, it's uh, it's one of those th- things where you don't think, you don't think anything like that would happen, but it could happen. And I think, uh, and what I think makes it even better is, uh, is that, after that sequence, uh, you know, he uh, he kind of just laughs it off as the train's going by and just starts to put, put his guard down and he uh, he starts he starts driving back down the road. You, you think everything's OK and it cuts to this really great shot of uh, of him driving down the road and then he just hits the brakes and then does this really cool. Oh, yeah, that was this, a great shot. Cool, yeah, that was def- a great reveal does this really great zoom out shot to uh and uh, uh as soon as the camera is back in frame it uh it shows the it shows the wheels of the truck just waiting for him and oh it's fucking brilliant and again shot in 12 days <laughs>
1: i was surprised that this was shot in 12 days i mean let alone 10 days i mean the original schedule 10 days alone like i mean something of this caliber i mean you wouldn't tell that this was shot in 10 days. Actually, you would have thought this maybe would have at least taken a month. Like something with this, yes. You could have easily done this within a month. But to hear that this took 10 days, that's at least a week. That's like at least a week and a half to shoot. So apparently ABC really, really had them on a budget because it really sounded like ABC really wanted that TV quality movie. It's like you said earlier. I guess they wanted like just put on a backlot. We'll put some rear projection on it and it's good. We got TV quality right here. And Spielberg is like That is not how you make a fucking movie. And he's like, we're going out there in the, we're going out there in the countryside. We're getting an actual truck. We're getting an actual, uh, car. We're getting an actual, uh, chases. We're going to be, we're going to be creative with our filmmaking here. We're going to do filmmaking at its finest. Uh, screw you ABC for thinking this. And, uh, I'm going to shoot as
0: I'm going to shoot it for as long as I need it to be. Um, Well, in a way, I feel like I feel like this movie is kind of like a Mm -hmm. like a precursor to uh, uh, to things like uh, like HBO bringing a cinematic experience, a cinematic level experience and quality to the home, Mm -hmm. because because, again, this was just originally designed to fill a fucking time slot on ABC's movie of the week. But nothing and like I said I would not have believed that or actually yeah the first time I saw this I couldn't believe that it was a made-for-TV movie and uh and I don't know if that just it the type of cameras they were using and uh well I also love that uh I don't know what uh uh I don't know like what what file you watched yours on but the fact that it wasn't uh scrunched on a four by three format uh in the because I, I have it on Blu-ray and you know it's presented in, in beautiful widescreen. Uh yeah, it's uh it really is able to capture a genuine cinematic look. And uh especially the way uh Spielberg intentionally uh like he he basically said I need a red car and that red car really i think beautifully uh contrasts with with the desert landscape and with the brown truck and it's um and so when you're looking at it as wide of a shot as you as you can get that red truck being chased by or that red car being chased by that truck it's uh it just it creates an image that uh that that can be perfectly uh perfectly portrayed it's uh yeah this movie is just one giant cat and mouse game. And- well,
1: it, it also, it. sorry, I didn't mean, I didn't mean to cut you off, but I was just saying, I would just like to think that since you mentioned the, how the car is, you know, out, you know, stands out from the landscape and the red truck, I mean, the red truck, the Brown truck, I would think that it's, I think it's just because it's David also, you know, the movie takes place somewhere in California. I would say, well, it definitely looks like he's driving from Los Angeles and then um because i definitely recognize the 5 at 1 point and i'm like it's weird seeing the freeway that i frequently drive on look this clean and not as cluttered up as it does now in 2021 but my my point is is um i think it's a nice contrast cuz you know he's he's a city he's a city man pretty much out of his element driving out in the countryside to his business trip and so he really just kind of has to deal with um deal with life out in the, out in the country. And this is what he gets himself into. It it, it turns into a, it turns into a nice, what should have been a kind of a boring drive into one of the worst days of his life. And it definitely was a memorable one in his case.
0: I also want to, uh, I want to mention the, uh, the phone booth scene. Oh yeah. That was a good scene too. Well, for one, it features my, uh, my favorite movie goof of all time of, uh, uh, so the moment uh, David Mann steps into the phone booth, you can see Spielberg's reflection. Wait, what? <laughs> you didn't catch that? <laughs> no, I what? All right, I gotta take a look here.
1: Okay, um, yeah. Please keep talking in the meantime. I'm just gonna <laughs> look for a still of it on uh, Google Images. Oh, keep, you'll, you'll keep find talking. it. It's
0: yeah. Once you see it, you'll never unsee it. Okay, uh, hold on. And so, uh, uh, and actually, uh, what it, I think this uh, this scene is also a turning point because it uh, it kind of shows that how how willing this truck driver is or like the lengths he's willing to go to kill this man and the uh and actually another piece of uh interesting trivia so the uh, uh so Dennis Weaver was actually in that phone booth when they were uh, uh when they were performing that uh, so they they did that for real obviously uh, and the truck driver, uh, who was a Hollywood legend uh, stunt driver. Yeah. Carrie, um, what was it? Carrie Lofton? Yes. And so he basically, uh, so they, they, they had a fail safe option of, uh, you know, if you didn't see Dennis Weaver get out of the truck or uh, get out of the phone booth, I mean, uh, then he would just swerve off to the side and they would just uh, try to set it up again, but they got it all in one take. And so the moment. Uh, so the moment Dennis Weaver is getting out of that phone booth, he is, uh, he's just, he just circles around and is hitting all those, uh, is hitting all those cages that are filled with, uh, that are filled with snakes and spiders. And by the way, I love that lady who owns the gas station. Take a all look. Right, at well, my, take, take a look at my space. <laughs> take a look at my space when you get a chance.
1: Before you get there. Um, so I'll, uh, back to that note of Spielberg in the telephone booth, I've taken a look at an image here and I'm like, Oh my God.
0: <laughs> right.
1: <laughs> oh my God. Someone, I literally, someone had to literally point an arrow to it. And I thought looking at the image, I'm like, is that David? Is that, is that Dennis Weaver's arm I'm seeing there kind of just like being there. And then you kind of know there's a neck, you can kind of see the neckline and like a white collared t-shirt that looks very different from David's um, blue shirt. And I'm like, Oh my God. Oh yeah. And it kind
0: of looks like there is a, well, there's also like chainmail, but yeah. <laughs> yeah i think that's uh, Spielberg huh i think he's holding uh the i think he's holding the script in his hand
1: is he holding i can't it's really kinda
0: <laughs> i really can't tell that well i'm um, seeing this but yeah good, um, but i i remember the first time i saw this movie and i uh uh because it uh i i think i'm pretty sure it was on d v d and it uh, it was a decent quality and uh and because that uh, that d v d was actually presented in the four by three format so the way it was uh, so the way it was cropped, it uh, so that side of the frame just became so much more noticeable, and so the moment, uh, so the moment Spielberg showed up, I, uh, I, I had to pause it. I looked, I looked at it, and I just, I looked at the face. I'm like, oh my god, that's Spielberg.
1: <laughs> I wonder,
0: you know, I wonder if it's one of those cases of where you know
1: it's an older movie.
0: Well, no, well, cause it, it's, uh, well, well, in the, uh, in the dual, uh, documentary, which, uh, which you should definitely check out. It's really interesting. Uh, Spielberg didn't, uh, didn't have the luxury of, uh, of wat- watching dailies. Uh, because, uh oh, okay. So that, uh, they didn't, I think you said they didn't have the, the budget to, uh, to, for that, uh, for that equipment. Cause they would have to, uh, I think they would have to have like a little, uh, like a special projector to, uh uh, to look at the film stock, but with, uh, so pretty much once, uh, uh, so once they got all their shots, they just had to assume that it it looked good. Like, all right, cool. We're moving on. So it wasn't, it wasn't a case of like, they were there just like seeing where they were just like, um, looking at the dailies and really like, yeah, no no, one's going to really notice. Yeah. No, no, they they didn't notice until after the fact. And Mm. they, uh, and because they, uh, well, they, they weren't able to, to go back and, and shoot, shoot that all over again. Cause I mean, yeah. for one, they, uh, you know, that entire setup was, was destroyed. And I don't think that they were going to go through the process of setting that all up again, just to get one insert shot.
1: Well, that was a really good scene altogether. Cause it, again, that builds more on the hype. It, again, it builds on the fact of like how just this driver's just fucking with him. Like the moment he finally, you know, the moment when he finally is able to phone the police the truck driver is like, uh, hold my beer and you don't get to do that. Uh, just drives straight into the phone booth and then like downs like all these uh, cages with reptile with rattlesnakes and tarantulas. And you just hear so the crazy old lady. For, I feel so bad I know. for
0: that lady. It's like, <laughs> She's oh, just like
1: creatures. What are you doing? With my critters. Why'd you run over my critters? She
0: she just loves her snakes she didn't deserve that man
1: (laughs) she did absolutely nothing wrong during that moment the driver's just like
0: fuck you (laughs) fuck you and everything Hmm. Hmm. oh man so um i want to talk about the finale and i was
1: gonna say can we talk about it because i have something to
0: i have some uh things to discuss about the finale but so go ahead so after, uh, so again, it's been a while since I've watched it and I, I vaguely remember, uh, I vaguely remember the ending, but after watching it, I'm thinking, did Tremors get inspired by this? <laughs> that's not what I was thinking about at all, but. Um, hey, that, 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 that's at least what, what came to my mind. Uh, but, uh, cause when you think, it's about, funny, it, we, when you think <laughs> about it, it is kind of the same climax as Tremors.
1: Yeah, it kind of is actually, but no, it's, it's funny that you mentioned it's like. God, every time we do the show, we cannot escape fucking Tremors. Even when we're not talking about fucking Tremors. Jesus.
0: <laughs> because Tremors is fucking awesome. Yes, anyway. it is. Yes, uh, it is.
1: We might as well be the podcast that just, we might as well just call ourselves the Tremors podcast at this point. But okay. We to
0: talk about other shit. Yes. <laughs> and, uh, but yeah, so it's, uh, so at this point, David Mann's car is Beaten to shit. The engine is steaming. He is the truck is just uh, just eyeing him down. He's at the, uh, David Man Mandri- has driven to the edge of a cliff, and it's pretty much just a uh, it, it's like a fucked up game of joust or something. <laughs> and, uh, and so they're they're charging at one another, and at that point the uh, the intensity is just building like crazy. It's reached it's reached its pinnacle point right here and at just the right moment David Mann jumps out of his car he has this briefcase held down on the accelerator and before the truck driver can uh, can react smashes right into him and, or uh, smashes right into the car and the truck and the car go right over the cliff and it delivers a beautiful crash they because it uh cuz again they had only one chance to get this shot if they fucked up on this shot that's the movie then essentially the the movie's fucked essentially Mm -hmm. because they they could not they couldn't get another truck and they wouldn't have the time or money so everything relied on that final shot and the end result is phenomenal the way it's uh the speed that it's shown in you're able to see every every little detail i love uh I love like when all the smoke is uh, is emerging. You still see, uh, you can see like the uh, the edge of the tanker kind of emerging from the uh, from uh, from all the all the fucking uh, steam, smoke, whatever. You, you know what I mean? From the pipes. I, I know what you mean. And you uh, mean. and it, it looks spectacular. And also a random little piece of trivia. So there's uh, uh so Spielberg. Uh, loved this stock dinosaur sound from the 1960 uh, version of Sir Arthur Conan Doyle's Lost World, and it's been used in a ton of ton of B movies. I think it was even used in the 1976 King Kong. Uh, and so that little stock uh, T Rex sound, he—it's uh, 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 one of those things that Spielberg kind of looks back and laughs on, like I don't really know what I was thinking, but when you listen to it at uh, the moment the truck is about to go over the edge you can you can hear the uh uh the sound of that T-Rex and but uh, the reason i bring that up is he reused that same sound in jaws as soon as uh, right after the shark is blown up and it's uh it's sinking to the bottom of the ocean uh, towards the end of that shot he uses that same sound effect again it's uh it's very it's subtle and you can't and you're not really going to hear it unless you really listen for it but it's uh, I always thought that was an interesting little connection uh, between the two because uh, actually uh, one of the things that enticed Spielberg to uh, to do Jaws was that it the prospect of that movie reminded him of duel like oh it's duel on the water and oh, okay when, when you think about it oh, that's interesting yeah it, it, it kind of is uh, and so and so by the end of it uh, Dennis Weaver is just he's looking down at the destruction and it uh, it just kind of it, it takes him a moment to process everything that just happened, and I love that uh, you know you just see uh, like it, it cuts to some uh, some shots of the uh, of the truck at the bottom of the, of the ravine, and uh, and I love the uh, I love that shot of uh, of the of the tire in the foreground uh, just kind yeah, of yeah yeah kind, of, kind of spinning, and far in the background is is Dennis Weaver as center frame and i was i was kind of interpreted that as uh the wheels uh stopping right there like the heartbeat of the truck is finally dead right there mm. and the uh and the way you just see a little droplet droplet of blood inside inside the the driver's cabinet
1: is it blood or is it oil it's kind of hard to tell it, i i want to say it's blood but it, it, it's it possible looked, it could be oil
0: yeah it could be could be oil but i i, I always saw it as blood uh and then he just and then Dennis Weaver just is just cheers and he is he's ecstatic. <laughs> like, Oh my God, it's over. And he just, he sits by the edge of the cliff and just starts chucking rocks over the cliff and, and credits. And it's, it ends on a beautiful silhouette shot of Dennis Weaver victorious. And that concludes one of the finest thrillers ever made in my opinion. Uh, So what side note, so, so what note. Okay. Um, sorry,
1: I I didn't mean to cut you off again, but, um, technically that's premeditated murder. (laughs) It's pretty justified. (laughs) It is justified, but Hey man, Hey man. Um, sure. It's self-defense, but some, some people would definitely, well, he probably shouldn't have passed the truck driver. He, we should have just let the truck driver be. So I guess he planned his murder. (laughs) <laughs> but yeah I'm so trying to think I'm trying to think from the people's perspective who watch this movie and be like, well, let's face it, the real protagonist of the movie is the driver. David's just an asshole who cut him off and now the truck driver has every reason to fucking kill him, to fucking kill him and toy with him because this asshole fucked him over. You <laughs> know what? Like, you know,
0: like, just just make a make a fucking Cobra Kai-esque version of this. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> make the protagonist the asshole. <laughs> Yes, exactly. <laughs> David Mann was the villain the whole time. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Get on it, Spielberg. <laughs> oh god, that, that's funny. <laughs> it's so odd. So what I, I mean, that just reminds me I still need to watch Cobra Kai. <laughs> yes, you fucking do. That show's incredible uh so anyway the um uh, what I think in a way it's um this movie kind of reminds me of uh what I think this movie's strongest elements are something similar that I would attribute to uh to something like Halloween Its brilliance lies in the simplicity and it uh it uh it takes this simple little premise and is able to do so much in terms of its visual storytelling uh the way that it perpetuates fear paranoia uh the way it just builds to this really intense climax and it uh and obviously like uh halloween's probably not the best example but it it was was just the first thing that that came to my head but with um and i i love that it uh you know after all this uh you know, because the majority of the soundtrack, uh, you know, th- there is a uh, there is a score in this movie, but it's not utilized that much. A majority of the sound is this is the sound of David Mann's car and the truck, and you know, horns blaring and all that. But a majority of the sound is accompanied from those two vehicles, and so to have the uh, for the final sound to leave you on just being the the quiet, subtle desert winds. And I don't know, just something about that. I, I find so perfect and there's it. When you watch this, I I think it it just spells out, Hey, the guy behind the camera is going to have a really good fucking career.
1: I mean, it definitely shows. Cause I, I, I mean, I mean, there are definitely point, I will say there were moments for me where it was like, you know, they're driving. I'm just like, eh, I'm kind of, kind of like, uh, moving along here, moving along here. Cause again, something,
0: I mean, like once, it, it, when it I got to something, did, like, I will say it definitely, it uh, it definitely gets better on, on repeated viewings. Yeah. I, I would, I, I, will probably,
1: I will definitely be rewatching this again at some point, but again, something like, cause there were moments where I'd be looking at the time and I'm just like how far along are we again, but something like the diner scene really captivated me just because of Seeing the paranoia in David's mind, just trying to figure out, is he here? How am I if he and if he's here, how am I going to approach this? How am I going to settle this once and for all?
0: Yeah. And, and, and then to
1: see the driver just leave and not have entered the diner at all. Um, to- just toying with him the entire time.
0: And yeah, brilliant and, and, and kind of like we mentioned earlier, uh, De- Dennis Weaver has he this entire movie is carried on his shoulders and the way that he just delivers such nervous energy. He just, he feels so genuine in uh in every, in, in all of his actions and everything about his performance feels so grounded and believable. And he, mm-hmm. he did an absolutely phenomenal job in this movie. So I, I was going
1: to say he looked familiar Dennis Weaver. Cause I was trying to see if I had seen him in anything. And I'm like, I'm trying to figure out what I had seen him in and before and I realized, oh yeah, so he's in the movie Touch of Evil, which is um, this really great. Um, it's one of Orson Welles's movies. It's like one of the best oh, film yeah. movies ever made. And it has the way it opens on that one long, uh, one long uh, tracking shot. And I'm like, that is one of the best tracking shots I've seen I saw in a very his, long yeah. time. It's a really great movie, and uh, the history behind that movie alone is pretty crazy. But if uh, we can definitely get into that if we ever talk about it. And I see oh, shit. Charlton, I def- Heston. Charlton Heston and Janet Lee. Damn. Oh yeah. There's a really great cast in that movie. So yeah, uh, I definitely see yourselves talking about that movie at some point, but um, speaking of Charlton Heston, we're talking Planet of the Apes someday. Um Okay. <laughs> you've, seen, you've, seen, you've seen the original, right? Have I seen the original? I've, I've, I've unfortunately
0: seen the Tim Burton movie. I'm so sorry. Especially if you've <laughs> never seen, Oh my God, you've never seen the original planet of the apes. Okay. We're talking about that shit. Well, I definitely
1: seen, I've definitely seen the one, the one of the planet of the apes. Movie. I mean, aside from the new trilogy that came out, I definitely have seen the one movie where like Caesar gives that epic speech at the very end of the movie. Oh yeah. That's a uh, 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 conquest.
0: That's the fourth movie conquest.
1: Yeah. Okay. So that's the one I'm thinking about then. Um, but going back so going back here, no day, uh, i mean dennis weaver uh, a great veteran actor at that point um maybe not as well known as other great actors of his time but definitely definitely plays definitely plays that character well of a character who's just you know he's just on a business trip and he's just minding his own business he comes across a trucker who is just in the way and he's like i don't want to be Stuck behind this guy, and uh, he decides to pass him. and I guess this trucker's like, You piece of shit, and decides that he's going to make his day, his very, his drive, very miserable. And hence, I still think that there needs to be a Cobra Kai S version of Duel.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, that, that was seriously funny.
1: The truck driver did nothing wrong except <laughs> get revenge.
0: <laughs> he's,
1: he's trying to make a living. <laughs> So, yeah, overall, I I, I was very surprised by how uh, Duel turned out. I think it's a really great movie, a really great cycle. Would it be fair to call this a psychological thriller? I mean, it's definitely an action thriller, but would it also be a good psychological thriller just because of the way of how, like, like you definitely see how he gets all paranoid, especially you mentioned earlier, the uh, when he's at the school bus. I mean, obviously he's like, get away from the car hood, kids. Get away from the car hood. And he tries to get the. The, uh, the the bus moving and then he sees the truck he's like I gotta get the fuck out of here that guy's trying to kill me he drives away and as Jeff mentioned uh, the truck just helps the bus move out of the way and uh, get moving and he's like that idiot made me look like a lunatic you pieces of shit <laughs> again the truck driver did nothing wrong
0: <laughs> he's just a model citizen helping out these poor kitties come on man oh, Dennis
1: Weaver you asshole
0: <laughs> just kidding Dennis Weaver you were fucking awesome man rest in peace oh no he absolutely did a tremendous job at this
1: role and I would say uh, I mean obviously you never see the truck driver but I think Carrie Lofton as the truck driver driving that truck um, amazing there, that was some re- I will say that was some really great um, driving work
0: uh, oh 100%. I mean, plus I think um uh well what I will say is like I love how it uh it just gives you these brief little glimpses of the driver you know you yeah like in the beginning you see you see his boots and uh, a little bit of a little bit of the jeans and at some point uh you know or a couple points throughout he's uh he's just like sticking his arm out telling telling him weaver Go around. Come on. I, I won't hurt you. Go on. <laughs> Again, he, he's doing nothing wrong. He's saying, go on, model
1: citizen. Go ahead of me.
0: <laughs> I
1: was going to, uh, you know, I just, uh, I, when I was doing some research on this, um, I guess looking at the wiki article, um, I guess some stock footage of both vehicles was later used in one episode of the Incredible Hulk TV show. It was. Oh. It was actually called "Never Give a Trucker an Even Break," and apparently Spielberg was not very happy that Universal, uh, or yeah, that Universal was taking his footage. But I guess the usage was legal because it technically was a Universal movie.
0: Yeah, I mean they technically can do that, but I mean it, it's. I mean it's it, kind of a dick you know, move. I mean, still. I mean it, it's. I mean it's no. It's no more nefarious than Jaws: The Revenge stealing the, uh, stealing the exact same shark sinking to the bottom of the ocean that they just ripped from the first movie. It killed Sean, it killed your father, and it followed us to the Bahamas. Oh, God, we gotta talk about that.
1: Yes, we do. (laughs) Yes, we fucking do.
0: Sharks come and go, Alan. (laughs) Oh, shit! (laughs) So, overall... Uh, i i just have to mention michael cain's quote on the movie i haven't seen the movie by all accounts it's terrible but i have seen the house it is built it is terrific (laughs) god bless you michael (laughs) cain michael cain thank you very much michael cain
1: side note i um, i can do impressions but not michael cain michael cain i i literally have to pinch my nose if i want to do a
0: michael cain accent (laughs) Yeah, Michael Michael Caine. He's uh like we're, we're unworthy for that. We're we're too American. <laughs> yes, yes we are. But
1: <clears throat> so, um, so yeah. Uh, overall, I think Duel is for you know a for. I mean, uh, you said before, Jeff. You he you said that um, Spielberg has definitely directed some TV work in the past, but for and for his first real big feature film this is impressive. Like this is, this really is really captivating. It really grabs your attention. It really kind of puts you on the edge of your seat. It really makes you get as paranoid as David is. Cause you're just trying to understand like, why is this happening to me of all things? And I, I like, I like that we don't get any music until maybe the 24 minute mark. But even then the music's not really that consequential to the film. I would have, I would have been okay if the music wasn't even part of this movie, but um, and we just had the diegetic sound.
0: Spielberg was only 25 when he directed this movie. That is impressive. Um, that is very impressive. Makes me wonder what the fuck am I doing with my life?
1: <laughs> well, wasn't Damien Chazelle like almost around that, or almost around that age when he made um,
0: the first w- when he made Whiplash? Uh, you keep talking, and I'm gonna confirm that.
1: <laughs> okay,
0: okay, but but
1: yes, as a as a first outing as as a real director on a real movie. Uh, Spielberg definitely knocked it out of the park. And I definitely think that this movie definitely deserves some more attention because this is, I don't think you get movies like this very often. And like, if they try to remake this movie, sure. They maybe <sighs> they may, if they do remake it, it's not going to be as good because they're, they're going to make it a little bit. Cause I actually was thinking about this. It'll probably be more high octane. There'll be a lot more jump scares, a lot I of could, like dumb, thrilling music. And
0: I, uh, I the main character you. will not be likable. I can maybe see, I mean like in no way it w- it would recapture but by the way uh, Damien Chazelle was 29 when he did, when he did Whiplash. Uh but with uh I could maybe see very professional. Uh, <laughs> I could maybe see Blumhouse doing a doing it and if they kept the basic spirit of the original and just focused on the thriller Aspect of it and didn't make it a gore fest. I think they, I I, I could definitely see uh, see Blumhouse uh, uh, tackling that because because uh, I mean shit, Blumhouse made Whiplash, so they're they're able to to definitely branch off and make uh, different types of uh, different types of films.
1: Yeah, I don't, I don't, I I would disagree. I don't think that this movie should be remade. I mean, Just no, like it's, how yeah, it like I
0: like I don't want it to be remade. I don't want any Spielberg's films to be remade. But if it were to happen, then I that's like one of the only scenarios where I could be at least like uh, maybe, maybe we'll see. But it would all depend on on who would be uh, attached. But <laughs> I mean, I want it to happen because I really don't because mm-hmm. I because I think this movie holds up wonderfully well. Uh, I I'd say nothing about it, really. I mean, aside from the car that uh, the David man's driving it indicates that this is from the early 70s other because because jaws i think is a is a great little time capsule of 1975 uh, or just uh, that time period in general uh, same with close encounters but duel is one of those movies that uh like yeah it was made in the early 70s but it's uh it's you could totally change it, some it, things it, it, around. It's still timeless. I mean, yeah, like, like basic things like, is, like when you go in the diner, but aesthetically speaking, very few elements signify that this movie's from the early seventies.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, I think that's going to do it for, uh, for, uh, Duel because overall I think, yeah, this yeah. is definitely a movie that deserves more attention.
0: Yeah. It's, uh, for me, it's one of those movies where every, um, uh, uh, I go back to it every every couple of years, and I always forget how fucking good this movie really is. And it's—I uh, really want to say that it's one of my—it's uh, like one of my top Spielberg movies. But every time I every time I want to make that distinction, because I respect how it was made so much, and just the craftsmanship of that movie so much. But then I think. Oh shit! Well, there's also Jaws, Jurassic Park, Schindler's List, Indiana Jones. Yeah, it's
1: kind of unfair to it. it kind of feels
0: unfair to rank all these movies at this point, just because Spielberg's catalog is just so vast. And that's that's where I kind of feel like this movie unfortunately gets pushed to the sidelines. But Uh I mean, any I mean, anyone who's interested in Spielberg's filmography, you got to see Duel. It's for one. It's we wouldn't we wouldn't have we would not have Jaws. If it wasn't for Duel, because Duel is what got him the job in Jaws, so mm-hmm. any uh, any Spielberg movie you love, you gotta you gotta thank the source, and the source is Duel. Well, I would say even
1: even if you're not a Spielberg fan, but you just appreciate film and you want to see more like older films, like this is a good sh- this is a good pick too. Um, But if if, if you are definitely
0: if you just want to see a good thriller, like I I think because it's it's a brisk uh, 80 minutes, I believe 90 minutes. Uh, Yeah, it's a brisk 90 minutes. It flies by Uh, like the uh, pretty much like I'd say like it takes less than 10 minutes to really get going. And it, uh, it does a really good job of keeping you engaged. And like I said, the way that the tension just continues building on itself it's uh it, it keeps it consistently entertaining and uh like pretty much from the from the moment that the truck that the truck driver begins fucking with him all the way to uh to that climax it's it just consistently gets more and more uh more and more intense mm-hmm. well yeah
1: i think that's gonna do it for dual. um definitely check it out but um So yeah, that's going to be, I think that's going to be it for this one. So um, we just like to remind you all to please be sure to follow the show on Instagram at T napcast. That's T N A A P C A S T. Be sure to subscribe onto the YouTube channel, like comment and uh, subscribe as well. Of course, I just said that. And be sure to follow the show on um, Spotify and Apple podcasts. Why did that take me so long to try and figure those out? But (laughs) dramatic effect dramatic effect indeed so uh from all of us here um again my final thought is the truck driver did nothing wrong so
0: david man is the villain
1: (laughs) (laughs) all right so uh for uh for all of us here two nerd skis in a podcast this is eric and this is jeff uh stay shiny everybody have a good one